time, a gift we all have, but something we very rarely ever think about. Now, when we talk to different people, we might think of time, like someone could say when they, hey, do you happen to know what time it is? Or someone had an opportunity to do something, said, well, we had a good time. It was a fun time. Other things happened, and we say, it was really a difficult time. It was a hard time. Yeah, we begin to clarify what we mean about time. One of the realities about time is the fact that it marches on whether we're aware of it or not. And time is one thing you can never get back. Back in 1964, a well-known group had their first top 10 hit. Time is on my side. Oh, yes, it is. Now, it had to do with love interest and some things that went wrong. But the Rolling Stones made it very clear. She'll come running back. Oh, yes, she'll come running back. She'll come running back to me. Because time, it's on my side. Oh, yes, it is. Well, that's a probing question. Is time really ever on your side? So often we think, well, I'll get to that when I have time. Or, oh, I have plenty of time to take care of that. And yet the sad reality is, whoops, I'm out of time. We know that in school when we're under a timed exam. Or maybe at work when we have a deadline to meet. Somehow time crept up on me. I wasn't aware that it would come so quickly. We think time is relative. When we're having a good time, oh, I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. But oh, when we're going through a time of difficulty, for young people, when we're bored, doesn't it seem like time just drags on and on and on and it's never going to end? Individuals going through difficulties find that nighttime is especially a very difficult time because it seemed like it's never going to end. And while time may appear to be relative to us, tick-tock, tick-tock, time still marches on. And if it is a commodity that we each have, And sometimes we might say, I wish I had more time. The reality is every one of us has 24 hours a day. That's all we're going to get. And once the moment is passed, we never get it back again. In contrast, there is an English saying that really even uh, precedes the Rolling Stones. And our modern version of it is, Time waits for no man. Doing the research on that found that it was something that went back even into the 1200s in English uh, literature. And even Chaucer himself in 1368 had the phrase tidings 
and time tarry for no one. Now, tidings is not a word we typically use unless we sing some of the songs around Christmas, maybe about needing glad tidings. And I have to confess, I had to look up to find out what tides waiting for no man or tarrying for no one really meant. Because I'm growing up by the ocean, and I think, yeah, wave comes in after wave. But it's really an old English saying that says an event or a happening. And if something is scheduled, it doesn't matter whether you're punctual or you're not, it's still going on. And the same is the reality for the things in your life. Not any one of us has the capability of putting a stop on time. Time marches on. And since that is a reality, we need to think seriously about it. I know there are ideas that uh, certain occasions may provide us with the time, like the country singer Willie Nelson would tell you, if you got the money, honey, you know the other line, don't you? And then I got the time. And what Willie Nelson is really emphasizing that's true of every one of us, we make the time for what we really want to do, regardless of how many other pressures that we have. And so when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the things of the Lord, You're only fooling yourself if you think I'll put it off for another time. If I don't have time for those things. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has something very relevant to say to all of us. And we're in the 12th chapter as far as how it's divided in our Bibles. Sadly, a poor chapter division because back in verse uh, 9 of chapter 11, the section begins as Solomon is moving to the conclusion of the book. And before he comes to that conclusion, he wants to make sure he especially addresses the individuals who particularly think, I got all the time in the world, the youth, the young people. And what we typically don't ever think about when we're young is barring any tragedy, we're going to get old. And getting old will happen quicker than we think. And the reality for all of us is if we ask the question, what time is it? It's later than you think. Because life passes so quickly. So beginning in chapter 11, verse 9, Solomon gives his instruction and counsel to youth. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. Follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, yet know that God will bring you into judgment for these things. Again, just to emphasize what we saw before, this is not Solomon saying, go ahead and pursue what you want, but be careful, God's going to judge you for it. No, he's just saying, keep that in your thinking as you pursue the desires of your life. And that being the case, remove vexation from your heart and put away from uh, pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun, that is the light, and the moon and the stars are darkened, And clouds return after the rain. 
in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop. The grinding ones stand idle because they are few. And those who look through the windows of the openings grow dim. And the doors to the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will rise at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore... Men are afraid of high place and the terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. So remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Now just for a review, we're looking at a book of wisdom in the Old Testament. And it answers a very important question. One that is very relevant for our present day. Where will I find meaning, satisfaction, and fulfillment in life? And Solomon is providing us with a biblical outlook on life. And especially as he's speaking here to young people... In our English version, it helps us because in education, we're told to remember the three R's. And to young people, he gave us three R's that we need to remember in our life. That is rejoice, remove, and remember your creator. If we think of those, obviously in the Hebrew, the words are different. But as we have seen them before, rejoicing, having a pleasant disposition is very biblical. It's very New Testament. We're to rejoice in the Lord Always, and again I say rejoice, God's people from youth on up are to cultivate a cheerful disposition. Second, he says, remove vexation. Don't get bent out of shape with everything that comes. So many of the events that happen in our life are outside of our control. What are we going to do about it? Well, we can fume and fuss and get angry. Guess what? It doesn't change the circumstance. And so, as we have seen, I am to relax. I'm to be calm. I'm to face the unexpected in life with a a calmness of disposition, a comfort in the Lord, knowing that he's in control of all things. Even as Solomon described in chapter 3 when he said, God has made everything appropriate for its time. It's a time of war as well as a time of love. It's a time to be born, a time to die. It's all under God's control in his hand, and that's the place where you can relax while everybody else is getting all bent out of shape to be able to um, calmly face the pressures that come. And what puts it all together? Well, it's the third R. Remember also your creator. And as we had seen before, and I don't plan to go over it again, but just to be sure we're on the same page as we look at what is here, this is not the idea of, oh yeah, I forgot about God. But it's more of the Hebrew word that says, keep him first and foremost in your thinking. And he says, remember your creator because it is the recognition that this one My God is the one who is the source of my being 
and to whom I am accountable. I can ignore him. I can say he's irrelevant. But one day I'm going to stand before him. And so it's important for our lives to be built on the foundation of the Lord and have him primarily in our thinking. In other words, he's saying that we are to trust in the Lord while still young, before we get old. It is to be a life of dependence upon him. And in reality, without that trust, without that dependence upon him, the first two R's will be absolutely meaningless. I'm not going to be able to cultivate that cheerful disposition. I'm not going to remain calm in the midst of the storms of life. And so Solomon says, I am to do it in the days of my youth. And as we had seen before, the Hebrew word translated as youth in our English Bibles means in the days of your dark hair. Now, some of us no longer have hair. Some of us have gray and white hair, but it didn't start out that way, for at least most of us. But the reality is there's a transition that's taking place, and dark hair becomes gray and white. Either dark hair retreats or it turns color, right? And so he is saying, while still a youth, you are to remember your creator. Why is that so? Because life apart from him is an empty life. And the lie that our culture just drives into the thinking of young people, don't waste your life by focusing on spiritual things. When in reality, there's no fulfillment, no lasting benefit in a life apart from him. And he says you're to do it. And notice the next word in our English text. Before the evil day comes and the year draws near when you say I have no pleasure in them. I want you to notice that three times in this section Solomon uses this word before. Verse 1, it's before the evil days come. Verse 2, before the sun that is the light and the moon and the stars. And then again down in verse 6, before the silver cord is broken. In other words, what Solomon wants to emphasize for each of us is the fact you have no guarantee of tomorrow. And it is imperative that you put your focus, your dependence, your trust, build your life on that which really matters now. Because when you ask what time it is, It is later than you think. And none of us have the guarantee of tomorrow. When he talks about old age, we find that he gives a um, great description in chapter 12, verses 2 through verse 6. In fact, some have said the description of old age and death in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8, are ranked as the finest in the world's literature. Here the onset of old age is pictured under a wide variety of metaphors, most of which have obvious applications. 
And we want to look at those metaphors, but I want to pause for a moment and say that while Solomon provides these descriptive phrases to help us better understand what getting old is like, and while it might be some of the most glorious and flowing literature available, old age is not glorious. Old age is not fun. Getting old isn't wonderful. If you think of the cycle of life, the reality is, where do we all start? Just go with the four seasons. We start in the springtime, and we spring up and we blossom. And then as we mature, we come into the summertime and enjoy the vigor of young adulthood. And after summer, what comes? Fall. And fall is a time when the green passes away, leaves begin to fall from the trees, and the weather becomes colder, more bitter, more difficult. And there's one thing I can guarantee uh, to you. If you live long enough, you will pass through fall into winter. And when you do, there's no spring. That's the end. The silver cord is going to be broken. And here is Solomon taking all of this time to describe old age. And why is he doing it? Because he wants to get our attention. We sit and we think it's not going to happen to us. The abilities we have, the desires we have, the things we enjoy will go on and on and on. And the reality in life is the one thing we can count on in this world is it's changing. And I'm changing with it. And as one has said, when it comes to old age, it's the time when the thrill of youth fades into a lack of zest for life. When the thrill of youth fades, it's a time when there is a lack of zeal for life. So he says, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say you'll have no pleasure in them. What Solomon is describing is the fact that old age is a time when it's hard even to do the simplest things, the easiest things in life. He calls them the evil days, and as we have seen before, he's not talking about moral, ethical standards when he says evil days. It's the times of difficulty, the times of affliction, the times that are hard to handle. And it isn't that the days themselves are like that. What makes the difference? The capability of the individual to handle what comes. In other words, the individual is the one that no longer has the capability, the resource, the ability to do what was so easy to do in the past. If you've ever gone to a senior center, to a skilled nursing facility, what do you find happening? Caregivers who are feeding residents. Caregivers who are dressing residents. 
caregivers who are cleaning up and changing residents. These are evil days. They're difficult times. That's what awaits you. That's what awaits me. The growing old process is a reality in life. And so he says, you need to remember your creator in the days of your youth before these difficult times come. And how does he describe it? Well, basically in verse 2, he gives a general statement of it. And then in verses 3 and following, adds specifics to it. In verse 2, he says, before the sun, that is the light, and the moon and stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. Earlier in chapter 11, Solomon had said, light is pleasant, and it's good for the eyes to see the sun. And so the idea of light and the sun Um, Even that which illumines the night is a figure of joy, of pleasantness, of pleasure. And what he is saying is there is a darkening or a dampening of the pleasure that old people face. And again, as we have opportunity to be with older people, we find there is a limitation to the enjoyment that they experience every day. And along with that, what does he also say takes place? So when the sun and the moon are dark, it means they have little joy. But with that, he also says the clouds, they return even after the rain. Now, we live in an area of the world where getting a refreshing rain is really a blessing. But what do we look forward to after the rain is over? The clouds dissipate, the sun shines again. And we find that it's invigorating to be out in such a climate after we've had that refreshing rain. But here he says in old age, after the rain, what comes? The clouds return. And it's the idea. When you think of a day like today, you know, it's kind of gloomy outside. It's dismal. And when you live in an environment like up in the northwest or even up in the northeast and you find lots of darkness, lots of rainy weather, people get depressed. I've heard some individuals say, I don't know that I could live up there. I need to see the sun. So what's the picture? The picture is that while there is a decrease in joy, the clouds keep coming back. And so, old people have much sadness. There is disappointment, discouragement, gloom. It goes along with being old. Nephew of mine, when time changed and we turned the clock back, so that's a while ago, I took an old song and um, said, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Now you come at 4 (laughs) p.m. 
I don't like it when we're on that standard time. You go to work and what's true? You've got the lights on on your vehicles because it's dark. You come home at rush hour, what's happened? It's dark. And while there's nothing magical with the fact that we're trying to manipulate time, you're still going to get the same number of hours because you may fall back, but you're going to spring ahead, so you got the same hours. But boy, when we spring forward and rush hour at time when we go home and it's still light outside, or you can be at home and 7, 8 o'clock at night, it's still light, feels good, doesn't it? That's the point Solomon is making. There's one difficulty after another, and one crisis is taken care of, and what does the old person have to look forward to? Another gloomy crisis to face. The clouds keep returning. And why is it that it's so difficult? Well, he says in verse 3, because in that day, in the day when it's difficult to deal with the problems that come, in that day, what are the characteristics that we find? Let's at least look at a couple of them before we conclude. He says that the watchmen of the house tremble. Now, some translations in English have it as the guardians, the ones watching over the house. What is it you use to protect yourself? It's your guns, right? It's the arms, the hands. And for young men, being strong and able to oh, impress my girlfriend, but I can get the lid off of that jar even though you can't. Guess what? When you get older, somebody's going to have to get the lid off the jar for you. And what you'll find is that all of the medicine bottles that are child-proof are also old-age-proof. <laughs> because you become weak and feeble in your arms. And when you try to initiate movement, they tremble. You've seen it, haven't you? It's coming to you. He not only says, do the watchmen, that is the arms, become weak and tremble... But notice he says, mighty men stoop. You know, young people can take pleasure in the fact that they can stand so erect. And no matter how hard we try, gravity just keeps doing that work. No matter how powerful those mighty men, our legs and our back, to be able to lift heavy things might be, as we get older, we're bent over. We stoop down. And so the reality is that these mighty men are bent over because of weakness in their legs and in their back. What else does he say happens? He said the grinding ones stand idle because they're few. You can forget about the steakhouses. good piece of meat. You can gum it to death. Or you can see a good dentist and he can give you those implants so that when you smile, you still got a mouthful of teeth. And so he is saying that as you get old and think back to that time, that culture, rotten teeth had to be extracted. 
And so, the few grinders mean that he has many missing teeth. He's not able to enjoy and chew the food like he used to. Then he says, and those who look through the openings or the windows grow dim. Here's your windows to the world. It's your eyes. My wife still makes fun of me because I got to be into my 60s, never needed contacts, never needed glasses. Here's my friend. Because your vision declines. You don't see things as clearly. And you and I need assistance to be able to read or see things accurately. The windows grow dim. And then the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will rise at the sound of a bird and the daughters of song will sing softly. He's got two concepts that are here. And not only does he say that the eyes don't see well, but these doors to the street means that I'm hearing the things that are going on out there. And our little group knows very well. Eh? What did you say? And our benefit of having hearing aids because we don't hear things as well as we used to. And so... The sounds going on outside, they may arouse my dog and my pet starts to bark, but I don't have a clue as to what was going on out there and why the dog is getting so upset. The point is, those shut doors to the street means you can't hear very well at all. But what is so ironic, you can't get a good night's sleep. And the slightest little thing at night will wake you up. The chirping of the bird. Now, some have said, well, it has to do with a rooster crowing. And you've been looking forward to it because you haven't been sleeping as well anyway. Every once in a while, I've had the opportunity to speak to an older person. They say, I don't know why. I'm so tired every day and I sleep so much. And then as they keep talking, you find out it's because they didn't sleep at all during the night. They were up. For one reason or another, it's a restless type of sleep, even though when you try to talk to one another and understand, you don't hear so well. And then the fear, afraid of high places, afraid of being out in public with the traffic, individuals who are afraid, and why? I feel so unsteady. I have to step down. I have a fear of falling. The afraid that grips, the fear that grips the elderly. Not only in the high places. used to love to hike. Felt like I was a gazelle jumping from one rock to another in the hills and the mountains, climbing with my kids. I'll tell you what. I watch them scamper. I'm a little more cautious, even though I like to think I'm still pretty agile. 
The reality is it begins to set in. And you start to become afraid of those high places. What else happens? Did you ever find out old people don't like to travel so much? They don't like to be out in public so much? They easily get disoriented. They become confused. Too much traffic throws them into a tizzy. Don't laugh at them. It's coming to you. It's part of this aging process. Time is not on your side. Time marches on. And the reality is, to one level or another, the things that Solomon is describing here will happen to each one of us. As a child, I remember I was blessed to be able to know my great-grandmother. And I remember some of her feebleness. And she passed. As I was a little older, I was able to watch my grandparents. And with them, they became more and more like what I remembered about my great-grandmother. And they have passed. And then I remember my parents. And in my mind, I can see some of their youthfulness. But my parents became my grandparents. They became my great-grandmother. Now they've passed. I don't have a great-grandmother. I don't have a grandparent. I don't have a parent to watch grow older. They're gone. Now I'm the grandparent. I'm the one that others are watching as what Solomon describes here becomes more of a physical reality for me. What is it that Solomon wants us to learn from this? Well, as he's been saying all along, if you're living for yourself and for the things of this world, you're going to be left empty. You're going to be greatly disappointed. And you won't have the resources that is absolutely essential for when old age sets in. But if you're living for the Lord, if you're building your life on him, if you're making him the foundation and the focus of your life, not only will you find that your life has meaning and a joy unspeakable, you will learn that God has a grace to sustain you through every stage of life. And as he faithfully takes you through the summertime of your experience, he will faithfully take you through the autumn of your life as well. And he will be there with you when winter sets in and the difficult days come. And you'll say, you know what? I don't have any pleasure in these. 
It's kind of a gloomy form of existence. So the point he's making is you need to be somebody that has a genuine relationship with the Lord, not just play religion, that he is the foundation of your life, that he is the one that you look to and you learn that his grace will always be sufficient no matter what you face. One of the ironies I find both personally and pastorally is we're often called upon to pray for different people and their physical needs. And for some of them, we're praying that God would be gracious, he'd heal them of their affliction, and that he might restore them to health. I will confess there's others that I pray for that God would be gracious and take them home. Ninety-some years of age, living in a skilled facility, looking forward to seeing and meeting their Lord face to face. And you say, why are they still here when the desire of their heart is not for the things of this world, but to be present with our Lord? The comfort is knowing God has a reason for that as well. But the point that Solomon is making that is especially important for the young people here as well as those adults who haven't learned the lesson, don't waste your life. A life lived for anything or anyone other than the Lord is a fruitless form of existence and has no relevance or meaning because life passes so quickly and only those who build their life on the Lord will not only find a joy and calmness in the storms of life, but oh, what a glorious eternity to be in the presence of the one in whose presence is the fullness of joy forevermore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your truth. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would use your word to stir our hearts, that we would not be deceived by the foolish things that were told in this world, but we would understand, O oh Father, what is really most important for each one of us is to really have the reality of a relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray, amen.